Welcome, welcome to the English podcast. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the English Podcast with Tommy. And you know who I am, but I'll introduce myself anyway. My name is Tommy. This is the English Podcast with Tommy. Who else could it be with? You know, there's only one person who ever hosts this thing. Um, today, I've got someone who, last time we saw her, she was down under. Now she's up over, if you want to call it that way. I'd like to welcome on her second episode with, on this podcast, Ellie Grepniuk. It's a pleasure having you back, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for the intro. And I loved how you said it was, how did you say? Beyond, yeah. under? You, were, you know, you were down under, now you're up Down here. under, yeah. <laughs> this is such a great way to put it. I love it. Um, yeah, great to be back. Thank you for inviting me. It's taken us a while. It's taken us over a year to get here. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw you was in March 2022, mm-hmm. and it was June 2023, so that's a good year. What have, you yes. been, what have you been doing in the last year, or, you know, 18 Living months? the life. <laughs> well, yeah, as you mentioned, I was um, in New Zealand last year, and yep. then I decided I'll move to Canada. So right now I'm here in Vancouver, B.C., and I have been here since last year. So I feel I'm kind of stable here for now for a few years, I guess. Yeah. Um, but as always, the adventurer in me always goes out and to explore the area. So I've been exploring Canada um, pretty intensely. Well, compared to how it was in New Zealand, not as much, but still. So um quite a lot of the beautiful Canada. Yeah, so, but yeah. if I remember correctly, was it at the end of last year or the beginning of this year, you went on a you went on a really big bike trip? Oh, right? that was in New Zealand. That was January last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit too gone back too far in time, you know, that's a bit too far. But yeah, you've been visiting a bit of Vancouver and you've been you've also been to the east coast as well of Canada, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So obviously, been... sorry, <laughs> obviously no, no, what, 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 uh, what Canadians do in the winter, everyone goes to places like Mexico and, you know, places like that to warm up a little bit. What I do, <laughs> I went to the East Coast to <laughs> places like Ottawa and uh, Montreal, famous for having pretty intense uh, double negatives so uh in January obviously so yeah that was fun unfortunately didn't get well I don't know if to say unfortunately or luckily it didn't get too extremes so I think the coldest that I've experienced there was something around negative 20 which was still okay I know no it feels good it feels good if you are um if you have proper clothes on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you must be used to it because you come originally from Ukraine, and I yes, but here's the paradox. I I don't want to touch on any any politics here. You know, politics is a Uh is a very dirty thing. You know, so I'm not going down the politics right. But I was going to say that winters in Ukraine could possibly become a little chillier than minus twenty. Is that my? Have I understood that correctly? Not really, because I come from the south, 
from the southern part of Ukraine, we still get four seasons and uh, we still get winters with when the temperature goes below zero. But I don't remember anything below negative 10 or something. Well, which is still rare. You know, it's a pretty mild winter where I'm yeah. from. So, yeah, it's not really that I'm used to negative 20. But, yeah, that was fun because I wanted to experience something like this in my life. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, it's the thing is, when you live on this side of the world, you know, and I mean in Europe, when I go to, you know, when we are, when we're, you know, overnight here in Europe is basically your during the day and over in, in, in America. So, you know, every time I, I was waking up, it was like, so I wonder what Ellie's up to now. I wonder where she's disappeared. To. And then suddenly, you, you know, you've disappeared off the radar for a week. And then you come back and you say, hello, I'm back. I'm like, oh, nice to see you again. And then, you know, then you're like, well, here's some food porn for you if you like your food. You know, like lots of dishes put out in front of you. And it, it looks like you're living the life of a queen, if I may put it that way. Wow. Okay. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I can I can share my thoughts on this. Uh, but yeah, if, if you'd like, I'll try to be brief because I guess there is a bit of um, life learnings here um, for me. Well, you know, I just in life, I just realized at some point I realized that life is to be lived you know um well it's still fair and it's still sensible to make plans for the future especially when it comes to you know um your personal finance i guess mm. uh, but i also think that it's important in general to enjoy life and find moments that help you live the life as well it can be as small as little as I don't know, enjoying your cup of coffee or tea or whatever, five minutes if you have kids, like before your kids are up or just enjoying slow moments or just whatever it is for you, you know? And like, there's this misconception of, uh, you know, if you want to travel, you need a lot of money. If you want to do this, you need that. There are ways of doing that, mm. you know, either on a budget or whatever it is. So that's what I like to share, as you noticed on my Instagram as well. You know, so yeah, but thank you. Thanks for saying that. Well, no, you know, it, it goes without saying, you know, um, some of us cannot do that, you know, have not, you know, have not had the chance to do it. So we enjoy it for other people, sort of secondhand enjoyment, if I'd like to, if you could put it that way. You know, and I have no, I don't begrudge anyone an opportunity to see the world or to to go around the world. No way. You know, if that's your, if that's your heart's desire, that's your heart's desire. Yeah. And um, like it says, it goes without saying anyone who wants to do it should have the opportunity if they have. And they should be able to go and see what they, you know, they should go and see the world wonders. You know, like you have, you've enjoyed minus 20 in Ottawa, which <laughs> I would never want to be able to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so you so 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 you live this through my stories on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, you know, one day one day there will be a time when I will be able to take my wife to Canada because she is a big fan of Canada. And mm -hmm. 
you know, she's always, she always keeps, she always says to me, oh, you know, I'd love to go and I'd love to go to Canada, I'd love to go to this, I'd like to go to Prince Albert, and I'd like to go here, and I'd like uh-huh. to go there, uh-huh. honey, once the kids are out of the house, at the age of 16 or 18, let's go, let's make, let's do it, let's go and, let's yeah. go and have a little trip around Canada, you know, perhaps go down to, to uh, the USA, and, you know, see the world as it, you know, see different parts of the world, because it is important. Uh-huh not to mm-hmm. be confined to your four to your yeah. four walls yeah 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 but we're not here to talk about um well you tell me uh, <laughs> entirely here to talk about um tra- traveling but we're here to talk about a book called habits of a happy of a happy brain habits, habits of, of a happy brain yeah. this is a book by loretta graziano browning phd mm. and when I read this book, so for those of you who have been following me for a while, and you as well, know that I love neuroscience, and I've read quite a few books about neuroscience, um, but this one is definitely my favorite. So basically, it talks about um, how to retrain your brain to boost your serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and endorphin levels. So basically, why I love this book is because, well, it's easy to read for not scientific people. Um, It's interactive. There's lots of exercises, easy to do, and lots of examples, which I find crucial in these kind kind of books, because sometimes you just read a lot of theory and you don't retain any of that information. But this is super interactive, super easy to read. And super practical as well. Um, can I just quickly stop you there? You uh-huh. use the word exercises. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's me here thinking, you know, do hate to do hate to really poop on this party here, but I'm not a neuroscientist, and nor will I ever be a neuroscientist. I'm an English teacher. And, you know, when someone says to me neuroscience, yeah, it's a very interesting topic, you know, and then you have all of the, the chemicals which... which which we we have in our bodies, these uh-huh. the S's and the you know all of those, all of the words that you just named, which I wouldn't be able to repeat even if they were in English. You know, so <laughs> let's, let's get this head up. let's finish it off. Um, but what I mean is when it, when you say exercises, uh-huh. what sort of exercise do you mean? Do you mean like you are being taught to breathe, or you're being taught to think positive things, or you know just a bit of everything because also the idea so what is neuroscience is the science about your brain yeah. right and yeah. everything in our body works through the brain right and there's also this idea that you can um you can affect your body through your mind and vice versa right you can change something in your body through your mind an example of that is a breathing technique, right? So like the sympathetic, the parasympathetic system. So when you start going in hyperventilation, either because of some anxiety you're having or something like that, that's what's that's the moment where your sympathetic system was triggered. So you can calm yourself down through some specific breathing exercises, which trigger your parasympathetic system. And this sends to um, signals to your brain to calm down. So that's what I mean. Or, I don't know, doing yoga, right? So that's how you 
affect your body through yeah. exercises, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so things like that. Exercises, well, I'll give you a quick overview um, when it's time <laughs> of what the book is about. But an example of, um, so there's four main chemicals of our brain that um, contribute to our sensation of happiness, right? And mm. there are exercises for each of these, right? But also some exercises for on how to create new habits that stick overall, yeah. which I will talk more about in the end. Okay. Because this is something I have done as well. <laughs> okay, so, you know, when I think mm -hmm. about when I think about all of those chemicals, there's the dopamine, uh, serotonin, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, I think there are four. Ox there are four of them. Oxytocin, Oxytocin and endorphin. And endorphins, yeah. Um, you know, when I think when someone says to me dopamine, that means someone's doping. You know, they've been going, they're going, they're doing some exercise, you know, sporting competitions, and they are pumping themselves full of chemicals to enhance their bodies. But I guess that's not what dopamine really is about. No. no, and I'm not sure about this other definition of what you mentioned. So I will not cover that. It's not my area of expertise. What I have learned from this book, but not only, this is something I knew about um, earlier on. So dopamine yeah. is when there is a signal in the brain that a need is about to be met. Yeah. Okay, so dopamine is something that drives our motivation and something that helps us with that boost to keep going. Yeah. Okay, so in nature, dopamine is released. Uh, well, it, it helps you release more energy yeah. when uh, you are about to meet a survival need. So an example from nature is, I don't know if a lion hasn't, it hasn't eaten anything for over a week and the lion is very hungry, right? The energy levels are super low. Yeah. But when the lion sees a gazelle, the dopamine is released. So there's an extra boost of energy in its body. So he has energy to run after to chase the gazelle and to eat it, mm. okay? So in humans, dopamine is when, well, marathons, right? Runners, so people who run marathons as well. Uh, when you see that finish line, you know, and you have that extra boost of energy, but also when it comes to learning and studying as well. Um, and also when it comes, so yeah, here it goes back a little bit to the idea of um, vision boards a little bit. So you picture your final goal, what you want for yourself, yeah. right? And for people who are more visual, it helps to have something that you see every day or yeah. often to remind yourself that that's your goal, right? And every time you see it, there's this little release of dopamine that helps you to keep going, that keeps your motivation up. Yeah, yeah because, um, I, you know, I'm a learner. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm learning Spanish or relearning, should I say, relearning, because I did it and did you did part of my uh, degree in Spanish at university. And, you know, I guess dopamine, dopamine must be sort of 
must come out of me when I see, you know, when I when I sort of feel when I see I'm making uh, I'm making a sort of step towards my final goal or being able to speak Spanish in a way that people can actually understand me. You know, not not having to yep. look like an idiot. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, yeah. I can move to the next one. Yeah, go for it. So. The chemicals that I will be mainly talking about today are dopamine and serotonin, yeah. because oxytocin is a chemical mainly stimulated by touch and by trust. So, in um, and actually in animals, touch and trust go together. But actually, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? You don't touch someone who you don't trust, and vice versa. No. Um, in humans. Yeah, it's everything from holding hands to feeling supported uh, triggers oxytocin. Mm. Um, so it's also like this chemical of belonging in a way yeah. as well. Um, sero serotonin yeah. is, well, no, let me talk about endorphin first. Um, endorphin is stimulated by physical pain, but um, you can get a bit from it from laughing and crying <laughs> too. Um, every time I every time I'm laughing here, it must be I must be kicking out some endorphins. Exactly, exactly. Yes, um, and actually, the endorphin is this uh, chemical that is being released by your body to soothe the pain a little bit, right? Because also, like, if you think when you cry, you feel relieved after. Yeah. So this is endorphins. Um, serotonin is the chemical chemical of the status and what i mean by that is uh when we see someone we unconsciously compare ourselves to other people and that's I look, I look normal i look at you you are much better than me or i look at you and i say wow you let yourself go in the sense physical sense away well what, what i mean by this is um in nature you know you compare yourself to others well if we're talking about animals to understand where you stand yeah. if you're lower or higher right and also if there's a threat for your survival hmm. right so if we think i don't know of monkeys and their hierarchy right you if you're dealing with an alpha monkey right and you're not an alpha like if you're an alpha you're gonna fight right to, yeah. to figure out who's stronger if you're not alpha you're gonna behave um on a lower level yeah right um because also serotonin is the the, the chemical of status right so it's when you feel good about yourself about something right i don't know you gave that speech in front of 400 people yeah. you know and you feel special you feel accomplished so that's serotonin it's status as well right so it's when people come to you and they say oh amazing speech well done you know and this is serotonin so serotonin is being released in that moment because yeah. you feel special in a way um because when you see that you are weaker than the other individual, if we're talking about comparing ourselves again. Yeah. Actually, what happens 
is your brain releases cortisol, which is the hormone of the stress, the stress hormone, to remind you of the risk. Yeah. Okay. And a little um, anticipation here on serotonin note is that because I, um, when I was reading this book, I was thinking, how can I tie it back to learning languages? Yeah. Because that, this that, is that, what I we was do. Gonna, I was going to sort of reel, reel you in there, you know, because I, I had a feeling we were going down a very dark, we're going down a very scientific road. So I was going to reel you back in and I'm going to, I'm going to let you finish your sentence there, but how can yeah. you compare this? Exactly. So this was a high level overview of four <laughs> chemicals, but again, the reason why I um, wanted to talk more about this book is because I wanted to share all the insights I had yep. related to language learning. Okay, so on the serotonin note, uh, right? So if you feel like you're weaker than the other, your brain releases cortisol to remind you of the risk. Yeah. So here's why you the person who's learning the language you feel you experience some anxiety or you feel ashamed of speaking and making mistakes mm. right because this will release this stress hormone and you want to be perfect right you want to be special you want to be recognized you want other people to tell you oh your pronunciation is so good. Oh, you're so Spanish or whatever. It's so good. You want to feel special and you want to avoid these unpleasant feelings. And it's completely normal. So what I find, even with my working with my students, is that when you have a little bit of understanding of how your brain works, uh, you, know, you, you can find ways to move around. You're probably thinking, why was he writing things down? Because I was I was writing down the four, the four, uh, the four brothers or the four positive brothers of the brain. You know that's for a later story. Anyway, back to you. So yeah, we're you know so there's, there's this there's the there's language learner. You know, and uh, whether it be business business English or or, or standardized English, there's mm -hmm. always someone who's going to be thinking. Oh, I'm not good at I'm not good at work. I'm not good at presenting. I'm not good at I'm not good at speaking. I'm not good at reading. I'm not good at writing. You know, yeah. there's yeah. always gonna be someone who's always a little sort of worried. And that's when the cortisol's kick in, I guess. That's when yes. cortisol kicks in to say here's danger. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because because also the natural um desire of humans is social inclusion, yeah. right? and um, seeking attention because this is perceived still yeah. in our ancient brain as meeting survival needs, right? So and I think I mentioned this um, in some other podcasts or Instagram lives with other teachers. Well, it wasn't basically, I just I just sound like a broken record sometimes because I say it so many times. <clears throat> so I'm happy to repeat this. Um, uh, everywhere like so basically the idea is that we want to be included yeah. right and why we are scared of making mistakes is because unconsciously this is perceived as a threat to your yeah. life right yeah. if you're saying something wrong 
people will not want to include you in their social circle, yeah. right? So that's why you either don't say anything, right? Or don't, don't put yourself out there yeah. because this is perceived by your brain as a threat to your life. Now, we live in 2023, thank God. And, you know, no one, we're not going to die if we make a mistake. So that's mm -hmm. a good news. <laughs> um, and on that note, did you have any questions before I move to my next point here on no, um, yeah. the, the fear of making mistakes? Now, you know, that, that, that's the one thing, I, I, that's the one thing that a lot of language learners always think, you know, it's not right for me to, it's not good to make a mistake. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm worried about making a mistake. I don't want to sound like an idiot. I, therefore, I'm going to sort of sit, take a back seat, take a back seat here. But then there's the, the there's got to be a bit of serotonin that kicks in here somewhere. Where does, the, where does um, serotonin kick in? And by the way, when I say serotonin, it sounds like a politician, serotonin. Yeah. You know, not, not to be mistaken with Sarah Palin, who was an yeah. uh, American, US American um, politician. But where does the serotonin kick in? How, does, how can we then get serotonin to kick in when we're in that sort of that position, you know, you're you're in a class of friends and you wanna, you know, you've been asked by your teacher, okay, so would you like to read, you know, please read for us the following text. You know, and uh, you know, you're 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 looking at your classmates, you think you know, you're sort of like a Mr. Bean, you feel like Mr. Bean in a you feel like a Mr. Bean in one of his sketches. <laughs> How do we get the serotonins to kick in? Well, the easiest answer to that by getting uncomfortable and yeah. by repetition, obviously, because yeah. again, it's a good idea to remind yourself that you're not going to die if you make a mistake. Yeah. You know, it's um, a bit weird to say that, but this is what our brain tells us. This is how our brain perceives this situation. So by exposing yourself to the threat, yeah. right gradually so slowly yeah. not right if you're afraid of um if you're scared of public speaking you know and you have never done this before you're not going to speak in front of 500 people without yeah. preparation yeah okay so same idea here so it's obvious that your hands will be sweaty you will be sweating your heart rate will be accelerated probably your your breath will change your breathing um will change probably but you still have to do it right yeah. because when you do it you will have the release of dopamine again because dopamine is also released when we do something new and when we uh, achieve it when we complete a task we feel good about ourselves the pleasure um, it's the pleasure isn't it pleasure yes completing this task exactly yeah yeah so basically what happens if you agree to read in front of the class in a language that you're not familiar with, you will go through some uncomfortable and unpleasant feelings in the beginning, yeah. but it will feel good afterwards for, you know, and your self-esteem will um, improve as well because you will think to yourself, oh, I did it. You know, so next time it will feel a little bit less scary and next time even less scary until you're trained, 
until you uh, rewired your brain in a way that this is not perceived as a threat anymore. So you you know I'm simultaneously you're picking out there are three maybe all four of these uh, chemicals are coming in at the same time. So you know you've got the pleasure of dopamine, you've got the pleasure from you've you finally made your finally made it. You know you finally finished that public you know that task that you were doing. That's dopamine. Then you've got serotonin, the status in which you are, you know. You feel special. You feel, you feel special good about, about yourself. You feel special. Yeah. You know, you, you feel, you know, you feel like a million dollars, if you want to put it mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Then, then you've got oxytocin because of the love and the connection of that people say, hey, that was amazing. You know, I, I that pronunciation you just said, well, that pronunciation was just immaculate. You know, and, mm-hmm. uh, there's love here. You know, there's some good love coming in here. There's some good connection. So there goes the oxytocin. And with mm-hmm. that finally comes the endorphins. As a positive feeling, you feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Not not sure about endorphin, but the first three, yes. I just I'm not sure about endorphins, just because I don't remember that part, so I can't guarantee. But could be, yeah. And also, like again, I'm talking based uh, on books I read about neuroscience, and I'm not a neuroscientist. <laughs> and now comes a question for language learners. You know, for English language learners who are listening to this, what level should I be to be able to read this book? What do I need to, what sort of vocab, what sort of grammar, what sort of language, syntax, what, what will I pick up while I'm reading Habits of a Happy, Habits of a happy Brain? Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say, I think, well, I'd say at least be one yeah. because there, yeah, again, there's not, too many scientific terms so i think like b1 and up would be comfortable Mm. reading it yeah okay and if i'm a little lower than a b1 would you say then that you should read the book first in your native language or in your first language and then perhaps go and read it in english would this be sort of what you would say i guess it depends on if these people have read other books in English already. Mm. Like if I have never read a book in English before, I wouldn't start from this one probably. I would start from something easier. Yeah. Uh, but if you've been reading um, quite a few books already, then yeah, why not? Okay, okay. Super. Language-wise, I guess we're gonna be picking up lots of things to do in neuroscience. Hence, neuroscience book makes sense. Yes. But also, if people don't want to read it, I uh, I mean, that's why I identified identified some key points, some key key insights um, I wanted to share here. So if you don't feel like reading the book, because it's not for learning languages, it's just in general for how your brain works. um, You know, you can just listen to this podcast and get some ideas from here. So... Um, I have here, like, I think three or four more um, key takeaways from the book. Okay. Well, let's hear them. And then we'll, then we can, then we can find out, then we can put this, we can say goodnight to this one. So, yes. The other key takeaways from this book are. So, one is um, repetition. Okay. So, I think, again, I'll sound like a broken record. Repetition is really what makes the difference. 
right? And um, when you start something, it's normal that it's difficult because your brain is made in a way that it's difficult to send attention to their cold neural pathways in your brain that you have never activated before. It requires extra energy, extra effort, extra attention, and it consumes brain energy. So it's easy for your brain to slip and go for easier ways of doing things. So either skip your class or do something else. Like this applies even to, I don't know, diets, right? It's easier to order a pizza than to go get groceries and make a beautiful, I don't know, quinoa salad. Um, So repetition helps to develop a new habit, right? Um, And also what I've heard often from students, and I think it's the same for you, because I hear it's a common theme among teachers. um, It's easy to... um, lose the focus and the attention again especially in the beginning if you're just starting out it's yeah. easy to be like okay you know i um craved out this uh, 30 minutes for learning this language but then suddenly you know you remember that you need to finish cleaning or you need to i don't know dust off your something or yeah. you need to do laundry um <laughs> so you if you instead of getting up and starting doing that thing you resist to do that something. Yeah. Okay. So this is how you retrain your brain. Because if you stand up, leave your language learning for another time and go do your thing, this um, improvised thought that you had, you're teaching your brain to not focus and to not help you to do this new thing instead. So if you're having these thoughts, resist to do this something and keep doing what you planned to do. So this is number one, uh, two. Um, I would also say, so again, yeah, I mentioned that the brain helps you develop habits where you direct your attention. Yeah. Okay, if you don't do it intentionally, your brain goes for the path of least resistance, as mm-hmm. mentioned. Okay, your brain wants, doesn't want to consume energy and creating new habits, learning a language is energy consuming. So mm-hmm. remember, remember this. Um, it's also super, super, super important to celebrate your small wins And here's how we train our dopamine system, right? So if you um, planned to, you know, learn Spanish for 10 minutes today or for 10 minutes each day for 10 days, every time you do it, every time you finish it, be proud of yourself, you know, Uh, celebrate it. You can even find something like a little treat, based on your definition of treats, a little treat to give yourself um, after you have finished. Key here is after, not before. So you're not eating ice cream before you learn the language, you eat it after. (laughs) 
because sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes people do get this treat before and then they just end up not doing anything because this is how it works. You want to um, reinforce the um, energy, that effort by getting yourself a treat after, not yeah. before. I would also say, again, this can sound obvious, but I don't think it is based on my conversations with students, is to, so learning a language is this huge mountain. Yeah. Okay. So like what you need to do is to break down, break it down in steps, divide into small parts, small tasks, and learn it gradually. Yeah. Okay. A language is a mountain that you need to conquer step by step, not all at once. Mm -hmm. Okay. So dividing your tasks is key. Um, and also, especially if you're just thinking of starting to learn a new language, the key takeaway, the last one that I left for the end um, is, uh, well, first, if you're, and well, it, it's about learning a new language or any other new thing you want to start doing to create mm -hmm. this new habit because I see learning languages as a habit, okay? Yeah. Because you're training yourself to do something constantly with consistency. Um, so I'll share a couple minutes, my challenge. So the at the end of the book, um, she suggests that, you know, to create a new habit that sticks, it can take between 21 to 60 days, I guess, it depends on the habit. If yeah. you have never done something like this before, if you have, it depends. But an average, uh, like suggested duration of this challenge is 45 days. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I said, okay, I will learn Korean for 45 days. That, that, that I was about to say, you mm -hmm. did, that you've been on a 45 day challenge yourself. Yeah. How did yes. that go? Did that, did, did Amazing. That was it good? Amazing. So basically, it takes a bit of planning because what you want to do is obviously your brain wants to go by the path of least resistance, right? And you have all these distractions. So you need to intentionally find time when you're going to do it. Divide in tasks what you're going to do it and when. Yeah. Um, and ideally, do it first thing in the morning. Because in the morning, we have the most of our attention and the most of our energy. Because at night, after work, you're, you have zero energy, usually. I know some people do, but you know yourself better. Um, so what I did was I would do something like, I guess, between, well, something around 15 minutes in the morning and like 15 to 20 to 30 minutes um, in the evening, hmm. every day. And the idea of this challenge is that if you skip a day, you need to start from day one, the next day. Are you kidding me? You have to go no, to I'm not. So That's how it works. It, if you make it to day 44, and on day 45, you can't do it. No. Then you go back to the beginning again. Yep. 
(laughs) That's why it's called a challenge. There's no days off. And this is to create a habit that sticks, you know? Uh, So you don't want to have gaps in this challenge. So what I learned from this challenge was obviously um, it helps if you do it first thing in the morning. It helps if you do some planning ahead because if you planned to do 15 minutes in the morning, 15 in the afternoon or evening, you you want to know what you're going to do because otherwise you'll just end up spending, I don't know, 10 minutes out of 15 just looking for exercises you want to do. Yeah. So plan ahead. Um, do it first, th- first thing in the morning. Stick to, it, to the challenge no matter what because I remember I also had family to come and visit and stay with me for like three days, I still found time to do it, okay? Because it was my choice to uh, to take this challenge on. And um, yeah, I mean, I didn't do maybe 15 and 15, I did maybe like 10 in total on that day, but I still did it. Yeah. Um, so that's how you train your your brain to help. And actually, if you train your brain for that, in the beginning, it takes a lot of effort. But then your brain learns that you are, um, you know, getting pleasure for it from dopamine, right? And then your brain actually starts to help you yeah. in terms of focused attention for yeah. extended periods of time compared to how they were in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so make it fun, find ways to make it fun, stay consistent. Um, and also just a reminder that, you know, it's something that only you can do for yourself. No one else can do it for you. Yeah. Um, make it a priority. So again, like how do I find time for it? When you want to do something, you find time, you make time for it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's those are the main ideas that I wanted to share (laughs) from the book, from my experience and yeah, from some takeaways um, related to language learning. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to say that that was um, not hard work, but that was good work. That was good hard work. You know, there's there's hard, hard work and there's good hard work. And that came uh-huh. out, and I'd say that I've I've just got myself some dopamine coming out through my uh, veins here because <laughs> I feel good that I've managed to get through this neuroscience episode, you know. And not not saying that I didn't didn't like it at all. In actual fact, you've given me a lot of um, things which I need to go out and work on. But that's a different story. Ellie, for those of us who don't know who you are, for those of us who don't know how to find you. There's the box I'm drawing with my fingers, the magic box. Put your Instagram handle and any other mm-hmm. way that we can contact you into the magic box. Tell us how we can find you. Yeah, it's all there. It's in my bio. There's my website. And actually, um, people can sign up by um, to my newsletter because every month I send out something with um, language learning insights like yeah it was when I finished my um, Korean challenge I put an email together with some key takeaways just sharing some useful stuff Um, so that's on my website I have a book club that is paused for the summer resuming this autumn Um, 
learn, teaching one-on-one and group classes. Um, and yeah, and just, you know, sharing on Instagram my adventures and language adventures and language learning and teaching as well. Yes, because we have to remember that Ellie is not a native speaker, despite, let me say, the immaculate way that you speak the English language. You know, I mean, if anyone who's never heard of you before thought you're not, you're a native, but I hate to, you know, it is what it is, but you speak the English language probably better than 80% of the UK. So, you know. Thank you. (laughs) You know, when I hear non-natives speak, you know, when I hear teachers like you speak English language and other teachers speak the English language, I think to myself, why can't British people speak so nicely? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, why is it such a so why is it such a problem that why why is it such a big feat for a British person to be able to speak so nicely? Anyway, so dear listeners, we have the four positive brothers or sisters, if you want to call them that way, of the brain. We have dopamine, which is pleasure. Uh-huh. Serotonin, which gives us status, uh-huh. oxytocin, which gives us love and connection, uh-huh. and endorphins, which give us positive feelings. Now, it's your. I'm going to send you out there now into the big wide world, and I'm going to ask you while you're learning the English language to tank up on these four big boy on these on these four brain chemicals. Yeah, because remember, cortisol is the one that we don't want to tank up on, but we want. To we want to be tanking up on D, S, O, and E, dopamine, serotonin, uh-huh. oxytocin, and endorphins. And with that, I'm going to say final goodbye from me, and I'm going to let Ellie say also a, good final, a final goodbye from Vancouver. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you uh, got some inspiration from this episode. If you have any questions, like clarifying questions or the book or about how it works for language learning, feel free to um, DM me on Instagram and we'll go from there. Super. Until then, you'll join me again very soon for another episode of the English Podcast with Tommy. And it's a very Uh final goodbye from Vancouver. Vancouver, BC, Canada. (laughs) Thank you. It's a final goodbye from Europe as well. Goodbye now. Bye.